We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You knew the risks when you decided to drive drunk. There could be a crash. People could get hurt or killed. But that didn't stop you, did it? You knew you could get arrested. You could incur huge legal expenses, and you could possibly even lose your job. You were well aware of the consequences of driving drunk. But one thing's for sure. You were wrong when you said it was no big deal. Drive sober or get pulled over. This message brought to you by NHTSA. My people, the time has come for me to get back in front of a microphone and deliver my thoughts out to you. The KJ Podcast is back, live from Chinatown, San Francisco, still in town. Many of you aware, I'm no longer at KMBR. I really want to thank that brand for allowing me to use my skill set to win over 49ers fans to show them I know what I'm talking about with football. So no hard feelings here without KMBR. I wouldn't have been able to get all these 49ers fans together, but I appreciate you sticking along for this journey because we have a lot to talk about. Of course, we're going to talk 49ers. Week one, they lose 23-3, to and I am sorry for hyping this team up, and I think they will live up to some of the hype, but I was definitely one of the media members expecting the 49ers to come out and play competent football they looked as bad as they had ever had under Chip Kelly. And I understand fans' frustration, but a lot of you are going to hang on there. We'll get into what was good, some lineup decisions I would make, but there are so many issues with this team from week one that I don't think Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch fully grasped. The interior offensive line, now granted they traded for Lake and Tomlinson right before the season. They were starting to figure that out. 
But my goodness, they're not going to be able to run the ball up the middle. Carlos Hyde, nine carries, 45 yards. Most of those runs were to the outside. He can run outside, but he's definitely more of your bread and butter up the middle. Left guard, Zane Beatles, had the lowest rating on pro football focus, 23.1. Four hurries allowed, a sack allowed. He looks like he didn't belong in the league. I want to say I did not have him on my final 53-man roster. It's clear that he was never their guy. The Josh Garnett injury has really thrown a wrench at left guard. It's a problem. Daniel Kilgore, he's fine at center, right guard Fusco. You just don't have a lot of athleticism that Shanahan needs in his offense right there in the middle. This is going to change everything, guys. I don't know if Kyle Shanahan's going to be able to run his true play-action system if there's going to be this many issues in the interior line. And Kyle is not the coach to trot out his same system every week if it's not going to work. You could be seeing a lot more shotgun, four wide receivers, spread the field. We have to get rid of the ball quickly. We have to lose the running game a little bit more than we planned because the offensive line just is not ready to go. Granted, it's Carolina and Seattle, but it's L.A. the week after that. Most teams in the league have a good D-line. The 49ers have been drafting D-line. D-line is something you have to deal with week in and week out. Trent Brown was awesome at right tackle. Joe Staley, he's going to hold his own at left tackle. Offensive line, clearly an issue. Clearly, it's hard to address it in free agency unless you do it in the first or second round. It's really hard to find the right guys, but my goodness, interior offensive line that was the number one issue and that really impacted the entire game because Hoyer was not in a rhythm he let that drop get to him early I felt Carlos Hyde only had nine carries I mean see the 49ers ran the ball just 15 times for 51 yards listen do not fully panic either I really believe still Kyle Shanahan is the right guy for this job it's one week I don't want everyone freaking the hell out Kyle's been shut out before in 2015 with the Falcons. Johnny Manziel's first start. It almost reminded me of that type of game. They just lost control of the game. Ruben Foster went down, and I tweeted it. No one played with energy afterwards. You could just feel that. And I agree with Navarro, Navarro Bowman, what he said afterwards. This team on defense looked better. They were not getting ramsacked. They were not getting a knife thrown through their stomach. They were holding their own. But again, no one was making plays. Reuben Foster went off the field. Jaquesky Tard had one pick. Richard Robinson had the forced fumble. But I did not see enough hard hitting. I did not see pass breakups. I just saw Carolina able to find open receivers, able to run the ball effectively enough. Uh, Christian McCaffrey didn't do too much. 13 carries, 47 yards. Jonathan Stewart, 18 for 65. But collectively over time, even with Cam Newton inaccurate and really kind of rusty, Carolina still found the rhythm on offense. I think it'll be tougher next week against Seattle. I think there's going to be a lot of tough challenges ahead for this defense. Um, I mean, they were fine. They they can win games playing that way if Kyle fixes the offense. But let's let's go there next. I mean, after offensive line, Kyle did look a little in over his head with the clock management and cussing out refs and illegal procedure penalties that's acceptable in august that's unacceptable week one i think all the motion is maybe getting to some of the guys i I don't know if there's that many pre-snap penalties they're not even worrying about that they're not even focusing on that in practice that's going to have to be three four periods of practice this week you can't have those that's how you lose momentum that's how you get behind the sticks it's third and long you're just you don't have the playmakers to win that way i already said no energy on defense Brian Hoyer has to be better. 
I mean, he'll be the first to tell you that. It was as disappointing as you really can get. The one field goal they got, they were actually lucky to have the three points because they had the delay of game penalty. They might have gotten stuffed on fourth down. I mean, they were making wrong decisions on fourth downs, not throwing it to the sticks, running to the wrong side. There were some... I like Kyle being gutsy, especially this season, because wins and losses, this team's not going to be judged on it. You want to you want to try and go for wins when you can. So I don't mind the gutsy play calls, but they've got to be better. My my issue really was late in the game. Even though the game was out of reach, fourth and one, a wide receiver screen to Carlos Hyde. He had just messed up a play where we didn't know if he was going to be running the ball and Hoyer had, had a busted play there. We have to figure out, if you're the 49ers, Get the ball in the end zone. Make this simpler, Kyle. This can't be so complex for these guys. I think there was just too much thinking going on on fourth downs there. I just have an issue. You're not throwing the ball into the end zone. You have a receiver out there lined up, or excuse me, a running back high lined up as a receiver. That's just, that's trying to be too cute. I think Kyle knows it too. He's watching film with us and he's probably very salty. He's got to move on quickly, but his first ever game, I think there was a lot of trying too hard. That's that's not him. That's that's really not him. I know he sticks to his guns most of the time, and he is very creative, but really on fourth down, just get the ball in the end zone, man. And I believe you will. The, the reporters at the game yesterday, week one, NFL, just absolutely fantastic. The reporters at the game were documenting the crowd and the crowd not being there. I'll say this. The, 49ers fans are fired up about this team, even after week one. I mean, they, they've been very engaged in at least all of my content and everything else I follow online. For some reason, Levi Stadium does not match the enthusiasm of 49ers fans on Twitter. I just, obviously the shade problems, but it's embarrassing when you have such a big stadium and it's new and there's just nobody in it, no matter if it was your own fault or the son's fault or the team's not playing well. It doesn't matter. It's the NFL. You have to have people in the crowd. I mean, it looked worse than the LA Rams who are selling tickets for $6. I get it. People were in the concourses hanging out because it was that hot, but it is your fault as an organization if you build a stadium where fans cannot enjoy the product out on the field. This team is in desperate need of a lift. Early in the game, I agree with John Lynch. The crowd was incredible. They were lifted up by Reuben Foster. He was making plays. This team has lacked playmakers for so long on either side of the football. Three tackles and 11 snaps, a pass breakup that should have been a pick six, that eventually one day will be a pick six. I mean, you really can make the argument that Ruben Foster is one of the best players on the team now already. Already from preseason and just the first quarter of play. That's how much this team needs help. They are not one player away. They're not one year away. They're many, many Years away, and it was kind of a sobering reality for a lot of 49ers fans. Granted, I open up this podcast. I've hyped this team up. This team is very hyped from a local perspective that they're going to be decent, that they're going to be 6-10, and 10, that they're going to have an offense that beats people some weeks, even with lesser weapons because their coaching is there. So yell at me if you want a little bit. I did not see this coming, not 23-3. to 3. Not embarrassment at home. I I predicted that Kyle was going to throw the kitchen sink and it was going to work out. A lot of deep passes. We didn't see Brian Hoyer throw the ball deep really at all after that early Marquise Goodwin drops. There's a lot to clean up. They know that. Uh, I mean, Garcon was great. Six catches, 81 yards. You're very happy with that. You're definitely happy with George Kittle's first performance. Five catches, 27 yards. 
not a lot of yardage there, but you're you're thinking, hey, this rookie can come in and get open and make some catches. So that is a positive. Um, Marquise Goodwin's getting open deep. That's a positive. He's going to continue to do that. They've just got to make the connection there. So in passing offense wasn't terrible, but there it was herky-jerky. They weren't able to sustain drives and punch it deep. Carolina might be winning that division, though. This was a very tough first opponent, even at home. That defensive line is the heartbeat of that defense. It doesn't really matter on the back end, and they were causing a lot of disruption. Guess what? That, like I said, that stuff's not going away. I think one lineup change will be Lake and Tomlinson in next week at left guard. What do they really have to lose? Honestly, Beatles was that bad. I think you play Lake and Tomlinson, even though it's Seattle, even though it's going to be loud and there's a lot of double teams and communication from O-Lyman there. I think you trot him out. The other problem I had was Jaquiski Tart. To me, he's not a free safety. Made an outstanding interception, one-handed Odell Beckham style, right on the goal line there. Probably saved a touchdown. But he had a late hit penalty. He was out of position. To me, he's he's a strong safety. You're really not lining him back up there as a long-term option. Lorenzo Jerome actually might be that. I get it. He's an undrafted rookie. His first ever game against Cam Newton and all these weapons. But at some point, it's the NFL. He's going to have to go up there and match up. He's a free safety to me. He plays with more instincts. He understands the game very well for someone who is undrafted. I would like to see the 49ers make that lineup change. I get it. They want to show respect to veterans, too. They have a locker room and a culture to reestablish. But these young players, they're playing them on offense a bunch, like I just said about Kittle at tight end, you Trent Taylor fielding punts. I know you don't want to be bouncing safeties in the game. You want to commit to someone. Tart was your first choice there. But to me, Jerome is the better free safety. He might have a long-term future at the position. We haven't even seen Jimmy Ward play it once. It's been a very dicey switch to the Seattle scheme just from a secondary standpoint. And it's going to remain that way. Even though Rashad Robinson had a damn good first game, especially after their up-and-down preseason and Pierre Garçon working him, I mean, he really didn't allow a big play, and he forced that fumble, even though it was too late. Let's see, Kevin Benjamin had one catch for 25 yards. Dante Johnson was marking him some. But, I mean, the leading receiver for Carolina was the rookie Shepard. 53 yards, two catches. It was a long play, a long touchdown early in the game. That was Tart's fault, but I'll say the secondary lived up to the expectation. I don't think it's going to get any easier, but they certainly did not let the team down at all. I'm not expecting the whole D-line to light the world on fire every week, but you'd like one of those rookies, or excuse me, one of those first-round picks, to stand out every week to just someone, not even a sack. I mean, Dumerville was really the only one getting pressure. He didn't play that much. He is a situational pass rusher on this team. They're not going to steal snaps from these guys they're trying to develop. I said it on draft night. Solomon Thomas has a lot of pressure on him. Not this year, and we're not going to know who he is for a while. But, I mean, Buckner started trending in the right direction last year. Armstead has not done it yet. Usually in year one, you see signs from a rookie where you know, all right, this guy is actually going to be very legit. We've got to see those from Solomon Thomas. We've already seen him from Reuben Foster in 11 snaps in the preseason and the way he carries himself. Solomon Thomas was the number three overall pick. 
when you pick someone that high, it's generally not a crockpot type of deal. It's let's get him in there. Let's play. I know Tank Carradine's very good, too, on this defensive line. They have high hopes in him. So Thomas isn't going to be on the field as much as a Buckner. He's going to be rotating in and out some. But I'm saying I, I need to see it. And I guess maybe you saw it in the run defense. They're, they were definitely more stout. The four-man front seems to be very good against the run in terms of matchups with O-linemen. It's just it's clogged so much up there. I felt the 3-4 last year with Jim O'Neill. It was there was just seams to run in even before the play was called. They, they just weren't lined up properly. So um, D-line is an issue. And it, they're going to be under the microscope every week. They should be contributing to wins. They should be helping out the secondary. There should be pressure. I'm giving up props in the run game, but I, I've got to see more from them. I've got to see plays being made. Bottom line, I've got to see the plays being made. So there are some scenarios that are going to be played out here. How long is Ruben Foster going to be out with a high ankle sprain? That's normally three to five weeks, four to six weeks. You saw the defense take an impact when he left the field, not only energy-wise, but Ray Ray Armstrong out of position a couple times in the running game underneath. Ray Ray Armstrong, great, shadowing tight ends down the field. Can he be able to clean up things underneath? Can he have the impact in the game that Ruben Foster had? Probably not. I mean, you're going to see the middle of the field get targeted now by a lot of teams. I was high on Ray Ray Armstrong in training camp. Listen, training camp's different than the real thing, than the real game. He's a very good practice player. He's going to have to translate that on the field. Other scenarios to play out, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, if this team can't run the football, what are they going to do? Because Kyle Shanahan is used to being able to run the football and setting up play action. He's used to having offensive linemen who are competent and are going to be able to pave holes, use his system well. He even had that in Washington when they weren't winning. I guess this team did not realize that interior offensive line was going to be as big of an issue, and you really can't find that out until the season. You really can't find out stuff like that until the third preseason game. So what they saw on film of Beatles and Kilgore and Fusco, they liked, and it's one week. These guys can turn around. Maybe this is going to light a fire under their ass where they're ready to actually run the system, where they're ready to actually push people off the ball and, command the line of scrimmage because if they don't like I said there's going to be shotgun four wide receivers and you're just not setting up Brian Hoyer for a ton of success if you're going to have him air it out and get into these matchups against Carson Wentz Kirk Cousins Dak Prescott not to mention Carson Palmer Russell Wilson the 49ers just don't have the personnel they built their team to run this play action system and one of the key cogs of it is interior offensive line and if it's not working I can guarantee you this right now, Kyle Shanahan will not stick with it. So that will be a major storyline going forward. They lose to Seattle, then all of a sudden they're 0-2 with a short week at home against the Rams, who are building confidence. Jared Goff looked tremendous in his debut with Sean McVay, a candidate Jed York interview, decided to go with Kyle Shanahan. It'll be interesting to see if the Rams can keep that up. They crushed the Colts with Scott Tolzien. Doesn't mean a ton, but... I'm saying the 49ers could be staring 0-3 down the barrel. And guess what? I mean, you're you're going to hear conversations of C.J. Beathard at that point. You're going to start hearing things like, do Shanahan and Lynch know what they're talking about because this team was expected to be competitive? And you're going to have your faithful diehards, your team website people, guys who are close to the team saying, listen, give them time. 
the veteran alumni, Ronnie Lott, everyone will come out in support of this team. But John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan sold us on a premise that they know what they're talking about and that they were going to be able to win some games this season. I think it actually benefits this team to go 3-13. and One of the things I tweeted Sunday, the more you look at Kirk Cousins, his age, his so-so play on the field in big games where you're trying to go to the playoffs or it's the, the season opener, he hasn't been good. And I just don't know about paying him $92 million guaranteed. He's going to get Matt Stafford money. I just don't even think this team will be ready when Kirk Cousins comes here next year. And listen, we're getting all bent out of shape over one week. There's still 15 games of football left to play. But I said 6-10, and 10, best case scenario here. And I'm, I'm pretty much sticking to that. You put Kirk Cousins on this team, they're still not ready to win in 2018. Maybe by 2019, Kirk Cousins all of a sudden is 32 years old at that point. And you don't your your time is essentially ticking with your quarterback unless you're going to draft one. So it may behoove the 49ers to go three and thirteen this year, four and twelve, even two and fourteen is miserable. You've got to win a couple games. I get it. At the end of the season, who cares your draft order? But that thirteen game losing streak last year took a toll on 49ers fans. You you would want to see this team win games because Kyle's that good of a coach. John Lynch is acting like he knows the right players to be in the system. He's Picked Reuben Foster. That was his guy. That looks like a good pick. So you want these picks to pan out and everyone to play well. But at the same time, it is making a lot more sense with the quarterback class coming out, Sam Darnold, Josh Rose, and Josh Allen, even Lamar Jackson. You can't rule him out yet with the way he's throwing the deep ball with comparisons to Mike Vick and with the right coaching staff. That can work. So a lot of, lot of play here, a lot of scenarios at play. Like I said, I did not see 23-3 getting – their teeth kicked in at home. The jokes were piling up. I even had, I mean, brick by brick right now, they've only laid a couple bricks on, they need to build pretty much a mansion. And the bricks that are in place are Shanahan and Lynch and Reuben Foster. And those three permanently, you can, you hope you can win a championship with those, but you need a lot more sturdy bricks. And they're, they're going to find that out the hard way. They really are. KJ Podcast, it is a lot harder to fly solo than I realized. I've been pouring water on myself, trying to cool off up here. No air conditioning. September, the hottest month in San Francisco. Yeah, I am really enjoying a little bit of time here to catch my breath after six years of covering the league and everything and still getting my voice out there. I appreciate you tuning into this podcast. I'm going to do it quite a bit. I'm sorry the audio is awful right now. We're going to get some guests. We're going to do some more things, but I want to get my thoughts out there. I appreciate everyone and the support and all the 49ers fans who are still engaged in my work. I, I feel it. I see it. And I want to communicate to you more. Um, final thought here is just don't get too down, but I'm sorry for making you believe a little bit that this team could hit loftier goals. They still might. They still might, but – there's a big learning curve ahead, and a lot of people have to make more of a difference. D-line, Kyle, Hoyer, interior offensive line. The secondary's not going to play that good every week. Ruben Foster's hurt. You just have a lot going against you right now. Stay positive. It's, it's September. Hoyer will bounce back. That's my big prediction. I think the Seattle game will be close. We'll, we'll preview that game coming up later this week. KJ Podcast.
you've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family has big plans for Labor Day weekend, but our outfits aren't measuring up. Then get to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, Old Navy's huge Labor Day sale is on now. Get 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, 50% off all tees, and 50% off all sweatshirts and hoodies for the whole family. 50% off all those styles? That's a big deal. So is this. Styles start at just six bucks at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Change of plans. We're spending the weekend at Old Navy. High Fashion, Old Navy. Valid 830 to 9-3. Excludes in-store clearance. Active licensed and men's package tees.